This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Two decades ago, two young men disappeared in Naples under mysterious circumstances. Terrence Williams and Felipe Santos were both last seen with the same Collier County Sheriff's Deputy, Stephen Calkins. They were both men of color in their 20s, and they were both last seen in Deputy Calkins' patrol car. Deputy Calkins was fired after his story changed when questioned. He denied wrongdoing. He's the only person of interest in the cases, but but law enforcement never found evidence against him. This week, on Friday, January 12th, it will be 20 years since Terrence went missing. The story is told in the podcast series, The Last Ride, which aired here and can be found anywhere you find podcasts. It's a deep look, eight episodes at the disappearances. The team whose reporting was featured in The Last Ride included Janine Zeitlin, who at the time was a journalist for USA Today Network Florida, Amanda Inscore Whittemore, who's a photojournalist with the news press, Melanie Payne, who's a manager for investigations editor at a Tampa TV station, and Ryan Mills, who's a reporter at the National Review. Janine has since left USA Today Network Florida and has joined us at WGCU as senior producer and writer of our new documentary unit. So as the 20th anniversary of Terrence's disappearance approaches, Janine sat down with Terrence's mother, Marcia Williams, to reflect on her son's disappearance and what has unfolded since. They spoke on Saturday. So our guest is Naples resident Marcia Williams. And I first met Marcia not long after her son Terrence Williams went missing in 2004. At the time I was working as a reporter for the Naples Daily News. Now I'm a producer at WGCU. And this week on January 12th, it will be 20 years since Terrence went missing. And Marcia, I'm, I'm sorry that we're still talking about this, but I, I do think it's important to keep the story alive because you and the family of Felipe Santos still very much deserve answers. What is it like for you to still be talking about this? I'm just speechless about it. I can't explain it. I can't tell you how I'm feeling. I'm just speechless. I sit and I think a lot about what to do next. And listeners can't see this, but Marcia and I are looking at each other, and I see your eyes are starting to well up. And it's, it is very surreal to still be talking about this tragedy that, you know, Terrence went missing in Naples, and this is a tragedy that's affected your family and affected the community but I don't want to, you know, I want to make sure that we honor Terrence's memory as well, the memory of Terrence. So you and I have talked about this before. What, what are some things that you think about? What, what do you want people to know about Terrence? And what are the memories that come up about him that, you know, that's, that stick with you in those quiet moments? He would always say, hello, mother. Uh, we would go shopping a lot, watch TV, talk about certain things, the Bible, books that he would read. All of that goes through my mind. Um, even the cologne that he would wear, how he would dress. And what if he was still here with me now? What would we, we be doing 
And do you have any feelings about like what what would you be doing? Like what what do you think you when you think about I don't and maybe that's too painful to talk about. Well, at this point, his children are young adults now, so I'm really sure that he would be teaching them, coaching them along the way. And the one girl, she was his baby. So she would be leaning on him a lot. Yeah. And before he went missing, he had, he he shared some dreams with you for what he wanted to do with his life. What were what were some of those dreams? The biggest dream was to open up a barbershop. That was his biggest dream. He was about to accomplish that. Someone was helping him. And right when he disappeared, it went out the door. And, of course, he wanted all of his children to be with him. Those were his two biggest dreams. And when you and I are talking, I'm thinking, you know, when someone disappears, it's not just the person. It's, it's the family. It's the grandchildren, the, the neighbors, the cousins, everyone. Everyone suffers. Everyone, I can speak for myself. I know I'm different now. I'm not the person that I used to be. More quiet, think a lot, and to myself, especially when I go home. During the day, I have to be with my team workers and laugh and smile, but when I get home, it's just like, I'm just quiet. Why do you think that's the case? I think a lot. Sometimes things come to me, um, what to do next. Or, I mean, make a phone call to someone. That's just me. And to be honest, I don't even care to talk on the phone after I get home. That's my quiet time. I'm not saying that it's giving me peace because it's not, because my mind is steadily running, even at night, in the bed sleep. And when you talk about what to do next, you you mentioned that. Like, what are some things that you hope to do next, or what are some thoughts that you have about what to do next? Where could I go and search? Who can I call about that? Sometimes things come to me that I question. I can't say what what they are. I can't think of what they are. And that's when I might make a phone call to someone. But searching a little bit further out, it may be something out there. And when you say further out, where could that be? Pick an East Strand, 
that's further out. Just different areas. I once read a book. It's called Under a Wave. It gave me a lot of ideas. And that book... The names were changed or curved. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's about Terrence hmm. to me. I'll have to pick it up. I haven't heard of it before. It's a very interesting book. Some people have mentioned, um, you know, the Gulf, the Gulf of Mexico, like potentially Felipe or Terrence might have been in in the Gulf. Maybe their bodies are in the Gulf. Have you thought about that? Have there been searches that, of the Gulf? Not that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to think that because if that's so, we won't find them. And in my heart, I believe that we will find them. And why do you believe that so strongly? How do you keep that hope alive? I just feel it in my gut. How can two men disappear? The same everything. I feel as if they're hidden. I, I don't know why I feel that way, but I feel as if they are hidden somewhere. So when you talk about searches and additional searches that might be needed, who would do that? And have you reached out to any of the agencies or the organizations that, that might help with that? I have not. I have not reached out to CCSO. The only person that I will talk to is my advocate, Monica. When she does come to town, we put it out there. If it's somewhere that the team thinks that they should look, they go there. Are they coming to town anytime soon, or are there plans in the works to? I'm sure there are plans in the works because it has been a few years since she's been here. But um, in March, I will see her at the Missing Persons Conference. So at that point, do you think you guys will talk, talk about what to do next? And We've probably talked before, yeah. And you said you haven't talked to CCSO. Is there a reason for that? This tragedy, Janine, has left me a little, I'm not going to say a little, a lot paranoid, not trusting, because in the beginning, a few things happen that I didn't appreciate. And I did not know who to speak with because if if I speak with someone that's confidential, it's not for you to go back and tell someone else. And that's what happened. Within the sheriff's office? Yes. Mm -hmm. So just to provide a little context for people who might not know about the case, initially the Collier County, you went to the Collier County Sheriff's Office 
and they were unhelpful in trying to find Terrence. Can you talk a little bit about what that initial, what you faced in that kind of those initial early days? Initially, I was told um, if he's not in danger, I couldn't file a police report, a missing persons report. Um, they were not so helpful in the in the beginning. I had to end up end up going to the Lee County Sheriff's Department in order to file that report. So that from that point, there was another reason why I did not believe in CCSO. So in later years, they have done a lot more. They've done searches. Do you feel like it's been enough? Oh, no, it's never enough. It would never be enough until we find him. Not to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could go places by myself, but is it safe? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. That that was another question I had. Because I think deeply reporting on this case, it makes me a little paranoid, too, about who to trust and and what to trust. Do you do you feel do you feel safe here in Southwest Florida? In God's hands, yes. Yes. What would you say? based on, you know, your 20 years of experience of dealing with law enforcement or not dealing with them necessarily directly. Now, what would you say is your view of law enforcement in Southwest Florida based upon your experiences? Have I heard of good things that they do? Yeah, I'll go like, okay, you're growing. You're growing. But you should also be willing to help any and everybody, no matter the color. Then when Terrence disappeared, I think there was an issue. I really do because they were not so nice. Do you see any signs that they've changed since then? I'm not out there enough to see. I go to work, go to the store, go home. And that's keeping me safe. So I can't imagine, you know, carrying like carrying around this level of trauma for this long, for 20 years. When you meet new people, when you do you do you tell them about what happened? Do you is there a particular moment when you say, yeah, I feel safe with this person. I'm going to share my story. I have to really get to know that person. And then if something says it's okay, 
I'll just give them the information. Most of the time I give them the card that I have, that I carry, and just ask them to Google it. Everybody have problems. Everybody wants to talk to someone. And if it comes to me like that, I said, okay, let me tell you a little bit about me. Read about my story. So that's how I do it most of the time. Most of the time. Can you describe the card that that you mentioned? It's a card um, with a picture of Terrence on one side and the reward being offered by Tyler Perry. And the opposite side is Felipe, the same. And you've always, since since the, the disappearance has happened, have made sure to mention the family of Felipe Santos as well. Why is it important for you to keep, you know, he's obviously he's not your son, but why is it important to keep both of their names in the collective consciousness of? They were both put in the back of the same police cruiser. They both encountered Deputy Calkins. So they they go together. You had mentioned Tyler Perry. And can you describe what Tyler Perry has done for the cases and done for you personally and where things stand with your relationship with Tyler Perry? I can call him anytime. That's never going to change. Um, he's been great. He reached out to Ben Crump. And, of course, there was a news, news conference held. So we do keep in touch. And is there anything that he could do now to, to help move the case forward or to promote more investigation? That would be something that he and I would have to discuss, yeah. And one of the things as well, so um, we did a podcast on the disappearances that ran over eight episodes. And I I know you listened to to at least a few episodes because we were messaging back and forth, but did you hear from anyone after the podcast? And what was it like for you to see that, to hear it? Or were you able to listen to all of it? I listened to all of it. And thank you so much. It was it was really amazing. Um, it just took me back. It took me back. Can't tell you what I thought about just listening. This is always going to be my trial. I heard after the podcast, and thank you. I appreciate your kind kind words um, because... It's, you know, it's one of the saddest cases 
and the most mysterious cases I've covered as a reporter. And it was important for me to do as much as I could do in my own capacity as a journalist to properly tell your story. And honestly, that was one of the things I worried about most in doing this, that it could like re-traumatize you or re-traumatize you know, family members of Felipe Santos as well. So I'm glad to hear that it sounds like it didn't have that impact, but it did bring a lot more listeners. It brought a lot of people, you know, I think it received more than about 1.5 million downloads at this point. So I heard from a lot of people saying, what can we do? This is terrible. You know, what can we do? Some people have signed petitions. Some people have written letters. But I want to ask you, like, from your perspective, what can people do if they're upset about the circumstances of these disappearances? Question. Could the DOJ be more involved? How involved they are, I don't know, because I don't know everything. But could they call and say, this is what we want to do, this is what we are going to do? Make more and more people aware? A lot of times I tell someone, it's okay for you to tell my story. Because you don't know who you may be talking to. That could put their finger right there on that point. You, you never know. So just to give a, li a little more background, the lawsuit that you filed against Stephen Calkins, it was it it ended basically because of a missed deadline. What was it like for you to see it end in that way? Shame on the judge that made that decision. Because at that time there were COVID was rampant. It was everywhere. Shame on the judge. Are there any, are you, are you still being represented by Ben Crump? Yes. Has he shared anything that you all could do or that you could do? Are there any other legal avenues to pursue the case? We need evidence. We need evidence. And that's what we're trying to discover. So it sounds like there might not be a legal route. It would have to come through a search or some kind of discovery of evidence, like a tip or something like yes. that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So based upon what you said earlier, it sounds like you do, you know, you do still have hope. How do you keep that alive? I just keep putting his name out there. This is my son. And you know, you you meet people and people go, "Do you have any children?" Sometimes that put me, it makes me uncomfortable 
And I said, I'll tell them I did have a son. If they leave it at that, that's okay. So you won't you won't necessarily share the whole story. Sometimes I just don't feel safe at doing it. Or I haven't built up enough trust to tell them. And sometimes when you tell someone my story, instead of them saying, I'm so sorry, I'm going to pray for you, I pray with you, they look at me strange. They don't know what else to say. That's why I'm very cautious. Yeah, but most people that know Terrence's mother, They know how to make me smile, and they just treat me like a normal person, which I am normal. I just have a tragedy in my life. How do you, just for other parents that are, you know, might have, not, your tragedy is singular, and every tragedy is singular, honestly, to when some when a parent experiences a tragedy or any kind of tragedy. Do you have any advice on you know but you're still able to you know work and still able to get up out of bed? Like how have you learned to cope with this immense tragedy and still move forward and still advocate for your son? God's grace. That's all I can say, Janine. Because if I tried to do it by myself on my own, it wouldn't work. And I want to keep on living in order to get to the end. Think about my grandkids. Just everybody. So I have to keep pushing. Is there anything else you'd like to offer in this conversation or express? That I miss my son so much. I tell him that all of the time. All of the time. He's always close to me. And I just wonder what would he have been like at his age now. And how old would he have been? He would have been 47. Of course, his birthday is coming up five days after the 12th. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry because this is going to be a rough week for you. It always is. Yeah. So a few more quiet moments. And every year I say happy birthday to him. I post it on Facebook.
And what day would that be? The 17th. 17th. Well, thank you, Marcia, for taking the time. And I'm sorry that we are talking about painful subjects, but I also feel like your story is so important. And I think it could help other people to learn kind of how, how you have managed to keep moving forward and, and keep fighting for your son. So thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Janine. It was good to see you. Good to see you. That was WGCU's Janine Zeitlin talking with Marcia Williams, whose son Terrence Williams disappeared 20 years ago this Friday, January 12th. Both he and another young man in his 20s, Felipe Santos, were both last seen with Collier County Sheriff's Deputy Stephen Calkins. While it was never discovered what happened to the men, Deputy Calkins was fired after giving inconsistent statements about Terrence's disappearance. Calkins was never arrested or charged in their disappearances. The story of both Terrence Williams and Felipe Santos's cases were told in the eight-part podcast series, The Last Ride, which is available wherever you find podcasts. If you're interested in taking a look at the public records about this case, the Collier County Sheriff's Office has them on their website. You can find direct links to them at naplesnews.com slash lastride or on our website, wgcu.org slash gcl. If you missed any of the show today, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by Janine Zeitlin and myself. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.